following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. We're continuing in a series, and uh, with a series we started last week, and we're talking about lifestyle evangelism. And our mission here at Valley Metro Church is knowing God and making Him known. It's a real simple one. It's a real straightforward one. And we spend a lot of our year knowing God, exploring Scripture, understanding His will for our lives, how we walk out the fullnesses of God's promises and His way for our lives. So we spend a lot of time doing that. We know Him through worship, through prayer, through fellowship, through the Word. But there's another dimension of our mission, and it's a biblical one. It's not just knowing Him. It's making Him known. It has to do with the more your faith ends up meaning to you, the more you should want to share it. If it really means something, if God is huge in your life, if he's done something for you, if he's given you a hope and a future, if he's changed some things, then we shouldn't be secret about it. We should be public about it. And the Bible's pretty clear. Jesus spent a lot of time with these apostles. And before he left them, he said, okay, now it's your turn. Ready? Go. And he gave them this big verb, go. Go and tell people. Go and share the story and help grow people. And that is really what we're talking about today, sharing your story, telling others. Evangelism, by definition, really means to proclaim, to don't be afraid, to to speak up and share the story. Uh, We said that it's a great commission, but some people look at it like the great suggestion. It was really a great commission to actually go and share and tell people. Now, it's interesting the way that we do that. When we look at how we actually share faith, there's a couple of different ways. One that we're very familiar with is evangelism, sharing the story through events. It's event-based evangelism. And in fact, we have a picture of the Harvest Crusade. Uh, Some of you guys may have gone to the Harvest Crusade, but Harvest Crusade, any of you guys go to Harvest Crusade? Yeah? It was awesome. It was off the chart. And I'll tell you, this is amazing. This was phenomenal. 50,000 people attended. This was the largest one-night event, to my understanding, that Harvest has ever had. And it was the largest amount of decisions for Christ. Dodger Stadium was packed out. People were hugging each other in there. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. God was moving. And people came forward in droves to the point where the fire marshal said, stop, no more people can come forward and accept the Lord. So many people, they just couldn't handle it. And so that was an amazing snapshot, a perfect model of event evangelism. Very, very cool when it happens. The thing about event evangelism, whether it's through crusades or tent revivals or outreaches, they're planned and they're organized, they cost a lot of money, and they only happen every once in a while. That's the downside of event evangelism. But what we want to talk to you today about is lifestyle evangelism. And lifestyle evangelism is different. Lifestyle evangelism is very organic, it's very personal, it's very practical, and it's simply the way you and I live our lives. Lifestyle evangelism. It's very relational, and it's based on friendship. And the cool thing about it is when you talk about sharing faith with other people, statistically, it is way, way, way more successful. As cool as the harvest was, and as awesome as that was, is to see people in our city respond for Jesus, do you know that less than one half of 1% of people come to faith through an event like that? 
Some statistics say one, some say half. That's not a lot in the big picture, although it's beautiful to be part of. So we don't take away from that. We continue to do those big events, and our church partnered with them. We want to continue to partner. But the reality is 78% of people who come to faith come through a relationship of a friend. The rest come through hearing something on the radio or walking into a church on their own. With not, that, that's a small amount. But 78% of people who come to faith in the resurrected Jesus and begin to walk in his promises and power are from somebody like you or I simply getting to know him, building relationship over time. And if you look back in your life at your story, you probably would maybe point to you know, yeah, somebody shared this, and maybe I wasn't ready, but then later on, my friend told me this, and then I saw that. Anybody have a story like that, where, where you can connect the dots? In fact, last week, we talked about your testimony, and we asked, for those of you who weren't here, your story of how you came to faith is your testimony. Um, we suggested that everyone write down a bus stop version of your testimony. Did any of you guys do that, bus stop version? The bus stop version is the three-minute version. Somebody doesn't have time for your life story, and you don't have time to tell it to them. But the bus stop version is that little two, three-minute version. Everyone has time for a bus stop version. So write down your story in a bus stop version that you can explain, hey, this is what happened to me. Here's where I was, and this is what God did to wake me up, and then I realized this, and and now God's got me on this journey, and this, this is my story of how God came into my world and turned things around and, and got me on a path, and it's really great. So this is your bus stop version. But if you were to really look at the details of your story, you probably could point back to, before you came to faith, some of the dots along the road of people who were personal in your life, who said things to you, who suggested things to you, who invited you to either come to church or explain things to you. There's a sequence of things. I know this one guy I worked with years ago, it was at a dealership. He was the most successful uh, guy in his department. He was making a lot of money on commission. But I, I've seen him making some compromises and, and doing some things that are stepping beyond what he should be doing. And I ended up telling him one day, I said, you know what? You can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other. You can't serve two. You can't pick two. I don't even remember saying that to him. But what had happened is years later in his life, he got a couple of DUIs, like three or something, and then he ended up going to jail. And I went out to jail to visit him out in Wayside. And it was interesting walking up to the you know, window you get to visit with people. And he, he came forward at that time and he, and he said, you know what, I, I made a decision to follow Jesus in here, in jail. I'm like, you're kidding me. That is terrific. What, what happened? He said, you know what, I remember you told me a long time ago that you can't serve two masters. I don't remember saying that. He's like, yeah, you told that to me and I couldn't forget it. There's something about the steps along the way when you and I share stories, when you and I are just being real, nothing fabricated, just being real in people's lives and helping point and share along the way. There's something that happens to people's stories. Their story begins to change if you and I are just real and tangible in their lives. Well, that's what happened with this friend of mine, and eventually he ties that together as part of his testimony. I would say it's the same in all of our lives, that people come through personal relationships. It's the stuff that happens every day. It's just the natural outflow out of life. And uh, evangelism, it's not based really on a gift, although some have the gift of evangelism. It's really based on the willingness to build relationships with people and just be genuine in your faith. That's where 
It happens. That's where lives change. And some people, when they think of evangelism, they think, well, how am I going to help somebody get from here all the way over to here? When you think of where some people are in life, some people are very stuck and they're maybe not open to God. And, and you think of where they are and you're thinking, how am I going to help that person get from here all the way over to here? And it seems like that's insurmountable. That seems like a big distance. Well, here's the thing about evangelism. Most people just come one step at a time. And if you look at your life and mine, we probably started to come to faith one step at a time. Some of you may have had the great opportunity to be raised in a house of faith, and that's great. But even if you were raised in the faith, you had to come to a point in your own life where it's not your parents' faith anymore, where it's your own faith. If someone says, how long have you been a believer? You can't say, well, I was born a believer. No one's born a believer. I was always a Christian. Wrong answer. And some people say this. I'll ask them, oh, I was always a Christian. I was born a Christian. Really? What came out a Christian? (laughs) That's pretty cool. Um, No one's born a Christian. Okay? You can be raised in a Christian home, but there's a point where we get to an age of understanding where we can choose our own paths and we say, you know what, Jesus? I believe you're the Son of God. You died for me. I want to get off the throne. I want to put you on it. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I might have been raised with faith. I might have been immersed in a world of understanding some things about Scripture. But I want to get off the throne and put you on it. From this day forward, you're the Lord of my life. People aren't born that way. This is something we step into. So we all have this story. And most of us, it's one step at a time. A great quote is this. uh, Evangelism is anything you say or do to help another person move into closer relationship with God or Christian community. Anything you or I say or do to help somebody move one step closer. What's cool about that is most of us think evangelism. What do I got to do? Do I got to like go down on the street corner? And, or what do I got to do to do evangelism? I mean, we think sometimes we get this idea going, I don't do evangelism. There's other people who do that. No, evangelism, lifestyle evangelism is anything that you or I do to help people just get one step closer. Beautiful. The Bible says one plants a seed, another person waters, but the increase belongs to the Lord. So you and I are not responsible for all of the big picture. We're responsible to do our part. And if you and I are willing, as a matter of lifestyle, to help people get one step closer, that is successful evangelism. You do your part, somebody else does their part, pretty soon other people, and God is just going, this is amazing. Um, And the big part about evangelism is this, guys, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has an enormous part of the picture in evangelism. The Holy Spirit is the one who's drawing people. The Bible says he draws, he leads, he guides, he comforts, he counsels. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation. The Holy Spirit helps us to begin to see things when somebody's not in the faith, but they're on their way. It's the Holy Spirit prompting them and urging them. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit takes their conscience and puts it on steroids, It's like their heart was hard and the Bible talks about a conscience being seared to where they're like not feeling anything. They're just numb. And the Holy Spirit begins to soften that. And the Holy Spirit begins to put the conscience on steroids, if you will, a sensitivity to, wow, I think God's showing me something and I think God is drawing me. So the Holy Spirit does this. He begins to draw people. And I want to present to you some of the steps in which you and I can succeed in lifestyle evangelism. 
the way you and I can begin to share faith in profound ways without being some evangelist, just being a straight-up Christian who is real, who loves God, and wants to reflect the glory of God and point others to the king. I mean, this is real straightforward lifestyle stuff. The first point is this, lifestyle evangelism, it happens when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It happens when we, when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit wants more than anyone, he wants people to come to Jesus. More than you, I, more than anybody else. The Holy Spirit wants to lead people. The Holy Spirit wants to see billions of people come to faith because there's a hope, a future, there's eternity, there's forgiveness, there's healing, there's direction, and there's even the presence of God in the lives of believers once we come to faith. So the Holy Spirit, he is all about that. Lifestyle evangelism happens when we are willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Uh, In fact, the Holy Spirit is called the helper in the Bible. Jesus says, I'm going to send you a helper. So the helper helps people come to faith. And I think God is asking us to help also. So between you and I helping and the Holy Spirit helping, these are the ways that lifestyle evangelism start to reflect uh, the glory of God. We have a picture coming up here on, on choices. I like this picture. I found it. And it's on um, a crossroads in life. And in life, we get to these different crossroads. And the thing about the crossroads is people are going down a path in life. Everyone in life is on a journey. And at some point in that journey, maybe young, maybe in the middle or ages, maybe later, at some point in that journey, God makes it clear saying, would you walk with me? And some people say, yes, I will. And they'll start to walk with God, growing in the revelation and understanding of who God is according to his word. They make that choice. Others are like, no, I just want to go solo. Thank you. And they just do. They don't want to, they don't want to follow. They don't want, I want to do my own thing. And so at this crossroads, everyone in life gets to a point where they get to make a decision where I am going to make that step closer to God, closer to God, or I'm actually going to make steps further away. I don't want to hear that. Um, Some people choose to be neutral, but that's still making a choice. If people say, yeah, I don't really want to follow God, that's, that's still making a choice to reject. But the reality is everyone's on these paths. And these paths, they diverge at a point. There's a point where you can take this left or this right. And I would suggest to you that the Holy Spirit is helping people along the path to make the right choice in their life with the living God. And in our journey, our job is to help them make the right choice. Our job as believers in lifestyle evangelism is just help them. We can't make anybody make the right choice. But how do we help people? How do we encourage them? How do we speak into their lives? How do we just get people to go, you know what? I love you so much, I just got to tell you the truth right now. God does have a plan for you. People are like, I don't think so, I don't see it. No, he does, he says he does. I know the plans I have for you, they're not to harm you, they're to prosper you, give you hope and a future, but you can't go your way, you got to go God's way. And there's so many people who want to go their own way and expect God to bless everything they do. Have you talked to people like that, right? I don't know what it is. They want to go their own direction and they think God is going to jump on their bandwagon and bless everything they do, even though they're going their own way. (laughs) And God doesn't operate that way. You know, he says, I know the plans I have for you. God's like, go my way and I can bless you. But when we go our own way, we can't expect God to bless us. Some people go their own way. They don't have the blessings of God and then they're all angry at God because God's not blessing them. A lot of people do this. They go their own way thinking God's going to bless them. But on this course here, on this 
path right here. It's our job to help people make the right choice. Now, when we think of how this works out in your life and in my life, there's some very tangible ways that as believers that we help people make the right choice. Maybe someone helped you make the right choices along the way. And I want to begin, since we're talking about a very natural and organic aspect of how this works out, I want to talk about the senses that people observe and watch our faith. The way that people are watching you, the way they're watching me, the way they're observing us uh, is through their senses. They're looking, they're watching, they're hearing. Uh, One of them is the sense of smell. Now, this might sound like a curveball, but let me just tell you, the sense of smell is a pretty amazing thing. When you and I smell delicious food, we're like, oh, man, that's good. I want that. You know, when you drive by In-N-Out Burger and you smell those grilled onions, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, I got to get in on some of that, you know, some animal fries or something. But when you start to smell that, but the same is true when you smell something not too good. Open the refrigerator looking for something. Whoa. Anybody ever done that? You're like, I don't know what it is, but it's got to go. There's something about smells. Smells can either be very attractive or actually very repulsive. Smells are a pretty amazing aspect of our life that either we enjoy or we turn away from. And the thing about smells, if a smell is bad, you really can't cover it up. I mean, you could try, but you can't really cover it up. You know, like if I come home from the gym or something like that and try to put on a little, Christy's like, honey, would you go take a shower, please? You know, I mean, you can't really cover it up. Or if you're in a room with people and they take their shoes off or something, you, you can't just spray Lysol. You, you're not going to get away with it like that. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Put your shoes on or go outside because that's bad. You know, you can't cover up smells. So smells are amazing. They're either attractive or they can be repulsive. I want to suggest this to you this morning. The same thing is true spiritually. The same thing is true spiritually. Spiritually, you and I are actually given off a fragrance. You might not have thought about it that way. You and I are given off a fragrance 24-7 as we live our lives wherever we are, workplace, on the job, sports, gym, nail salon, shopping, Trader Joe's, wherever it is, we are given off a fragrance. And we don't think about it, but we actually are. Hopefully it's a sweet one. I would suggest to you guys that on this path, that as we're going on this path, if people smell a sweet fragrance in your life, they're more apt to follow the direction you're going if they smell the sweet fragrance. If they don't, they're going to say, why would I want to go that way? Does that make sense? It's the fruit. They will know us by that. In fact, it's called the aroma of Christ. If you have your Bibles, uh, 2 Corinthians 2.15. It says this, 2 Corinthians 2.15. Listen to this. It says, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. Think about that. To God, you and I are the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are, listen to this, being saved and those who are perishing. There's people going down two paths right here. And to God, you and I are a beautiful fragrance because he knows to the people on that path, some who are being saved and some who are perishing, to those people, you and I are giving off a fragrant aroma. That's what Corinthians is telling us. And it's this fragrance of our spiritual life that actually helps people make one choice or the other. So our second point this morning is that lifestyle evangelism, it happens... It happens when the fragrance of our spiritual life smells attractive to other people. When the fragrance of our spiritual life smells attractive, people are like, wow, that's actually pretty cool, huh? 
And it's not you or me, it's what God's doing through us, amen? It's not like we can make this stuff up. But God's trying to do stuff by the power of his spirit through his people. And people see that and they go, yeah, that, smell, that smells good. I, I, I like that. I want, that's attractive. And they see the path that you're walking on and they go, you know what? I don't really know, but I think they're on the right path. That's what they say. They begin to observe these things, and they look at your life and the fragrance of your life. They look at the aroma, if you will. And if the aroma of Christ is in your life, it's attractive. They want it. Another text we're going to look at, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. This is an amazing snapshot as well about how your life and my life reflects lifestyle evangelism. Uh, Jesus is given the Sermon on the Mount. Many of you are familiar with this passage in Matthew, Matthew 5.13. And he says this, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Let's start on this. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus is saying. Now, today we have refrigerators, so it's hard to appreciate this, but back then there was no refrigerators. And if you bought some food, say you went down and you bought some fish down at the Sea of Galilee, you didn't have a fridge to put it in, you didn't have a freezer to put it in. What you had to use is salt. Salt was a preservative. And if you didn't have salt, things would go downhill very quickly. Salt was very important. Salt was very valuable because salt mattered a lot in this context. In fact, back then, and even some folks from the older days would use a term, somebody being worth their salt. Has anybody ever heard that terminology? They're worth their salt or they're not worth their salt. You're like, what does that mean? Um, it means in the old days it was very valuable and they were wondering if people were worth their weight in salt, so to speak, because the value of the salt meant so much because you needed to preserve stuff and without salt you couldn't preserve anything. It makes things last. The other thing about salt is it adds profound flavor. Have you guys ever been sitting down for a really great meal, something you're looking forward to, and you taste it and you go... You know, it just needs a little dash of salt. Have you done it? Just a little dash, and then you eat it, and you go, oh, that's off. That's like perfect right there, right? Just that da- salt brings out flavor. Salt preserves. Salt is pretty amazing. And I would say the same is true with us, that in society, there is spiritual decay, and there is lack of flavor. What Jesus is saying, you and I, in society that we live in, we're supposed to add preservative, and we're supposed to add flavor to a flavorless society in the eyes of God. You know, you look at some of our pop culture and it seems to be lacking flavor more and more. It seems to be a drift. And so we're supposed to establish preservative and flavor. And when we do, it reflects the glory of God. So the third point this morning is, is that lifestyle evangelism happens when we add flavor and preservative to the world around us. Think of how you can do that. How can you add flavor to the world around you? Don't think globally right now with lifestyle evangelism. Think your world. For, for, for us right now, it's not going to the whole world. There's people who go all around the planet and around the globe, and we support other missions outside and around. But for you, think of going into all of your world. Not the world, but your world. And when you go into all of your world, think of how you can add flavor and preservative. Think of how you can be the fragrance that leads people spiritually because they're like, I like that. I like what it smells like. Um, The next thing he says in this passage in Matthew 5.14, he says this. He goes, you are the light of the world. 
A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus is saying that you and I are the light of the world. Now, that's a pretty big statement. You're like, we are? You know, it's hard to imagine. Are we really the light of the world? Um, The reason that we're the light of the world is because Jesus is the light of the world. He said earlier in John's Gospel, I am the light of the world. And if Christ is in you, then you too become a light in this world. A quick passage in John chapter 1, John's Gospel. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read this to you. I love the way this explains the reality of of Jesus and him being the light. But it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and listen to this, through Jesus... All things were made, without him nothing was made uh, that has been made. So Jesus is responsible for making everything, according to scripture. In him was life, listen to this, and that life was the light of men. Light of men, light of women. And the light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You know, this is saying that Jesus was the light. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. That if you or I are in Christ, that we have this light. The light comes from Jesus exclusively. We can't make up our own light. We can't conjure up any kind of light. The light comes from Jesus himself. And then it goes on to say that the light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not, NIV says, understood it. Other translators change this word right here. They're pretty clear on the whole passage except for this word. Some of the translators change it because they're like, well, does it mean this? And the word actually could mean a few different things. Uh, Other translations put it a little better. Um, Some translations say the darkness couldn't comprehend the light. I still think that's close, but no cigar. Better translations say the darkness couldn't overcome the light. Other translations say darkness couldn't extinguish the light. This is what it means. When you and I walk into a room and flip on a light switch, darkness does not have the authority or the autonomy to say, too bad, I'm sticking around. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving today. I'm staying. Darkness does not have the autonomy to do that. It doesn't have the capacity to do that. When light comes on, by definition, darkness flees. It it can't. So light dictates what happens to darkness. This is what the word is telling us. And the same thing with your life and in my life that if we have the light of Christ in us, we can either let it shine or put it under a bowl. This is a choice. This is your choice and mine, what we do with the light, the light of Christ. We can actually put it on display. You, know, you see the Statue of Liberty. She's holding this torch up. You know? But we can actually put it on display. We can go public. We can be available. Or we can hide it and cover it up. Uh, I want to suggest to you that lifestyle evangelism begins with letting God put your light on display. You can't cover it up. Nothing gets done. No one comes to faith. There is no lifestyle evangelism if you or I cover up the light of Christ. It just, it doesn't happen. But if we put it up high, it becomes a city on a hill. People start to actually see it and go, oh yeah, I I see that over there. It actually gives light to the whole room is what he's saying. So put your light on display. Let it shine before men. Says, let them see your good deeds and God will get the glory. When the world around you, when people around you see you do good deeds, they're like, huh, what just motivated them to do that? Everybody else isn't doing good deeds. Why are you doing good deeds? And people around you, again, this isn't people on the other side of the globe. 
These are people you know, people on your block, people in your family, people from the workplace. They're like, huh, I just saw them do something they didn't need to do. Why did they do that good deed? They begin to see good deeds, it says, and glorify the Father in heaven. Guys, this is lifestyle evangelism. This is tangible, visual, organic, natural way of you and I just living real and being true and people observing and going, something's going on there. Lifestyle evangelism. Fourth point this morning, it happens when we do good deeds for the glory of God. When you and I do good deeds for the glory of God, it could be anything, you know, but when we do good deeds for the glory of God, people take note of that and they think, why did you just go out of your way to do that? You didn't have to do that. They might not even say anything, but they're like, I'm making a mental note of that. That was weird. Why do they go do something they didn't need to do? Because a lot of people don't. And, and when you do, people take note. And these are all parts of lifestyle evangelism. And evangelism, guys, by nature, for you and I to have our life on display, evangelism, it's an outflow from a passionate love life with God. Here's the deal. If you're really in love with God, if you really do love God, then evangelism is a natural outflow. Lifestyle evangelism is an outflow. If you're not really sure you love God, well, then the passion level is real low and there might not be a lot of overflow in your life. But if you love God, it's hard to be vibrant in your faith and say, I don't want to tell anybody. It's hard to really be vibrant. You can say, yeah, I'm kind of lacking in faith right now and I don't really want to tell anybody. That might be natural. But if you're in love with God, if you're in love with the things that God is doing and, and his plan, his promise, his calling, his nature, who he is, you can't help but to want to be able to share that. So evangelism flows from a passionate relationship with God. It's been said that real evangelism is about love, being in love with God and being part of a church you love and desiring to share that same love with others. You know, the story is true when you look at uh, Nathaniel in the Bible, Philip and Nathaniel. You know, there's a situation where Philip's like, hey, I just met, I met Jesus. Nathaniel's like, who? He's like, Jesus, you've got to come and meet him. He's like, well, why do I want to do that? Philip's like, he's the one. He's the anointed one. We've been waiting forever. And the point is, Philip meets Jesus. He runs to a friend, not a stranger on the other side of the globe, a friend that he loves and cares about, guys that hang out together, that know each other. It's like gals that shop together or take your kids to the same school or, you know, this kind of thing. This is a relational thing where they're like, hey, can I tell you something? And, and it's one step closer. And pretty soon you know it. The rest is history in this guy's life. But it's true that it's through love, being in love with God. And Jesus even said in John 13, 35, he says this, this is how everyone will know. You want to know how the whole world's going to know? You're my disciples. You want to know how they will know? It's not going to be by brilliant marketing. It's not going to be by profound strategy. This is how the universe, planet Earth, will know. Can't reinvent the wheel. This is what he says if you have love for one another. So if you and I have love for one another, Jesus said that's how the world is going to know. And that's our fifth point this morning. Lifestyle evangelism happens when we passionately love God and love others. Now, I want to say something about that. Um, it's been stated, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's the problem with the kind of on the corner bullhorn kind of thing, protesting. It's like, do you even care about? It doesn't look like people really care. But when you are caring, when you are loving, people are like, you know, there's something real there and I like it. 
I wish I had that kind of love. I don't have that love in my life, but I see you guys have it. And I know when I came to faith, that's what my observation was. I came to a, tri- a Bible teaching church for the first time and I looked around and I saw love in that place and I saw peace in that place in the life of people. I smelt that fragrant aroma and I'm like, I don't know, but these people have something and I think they're on the right track here. And this is the process of lifestyle evangelism. So it happens when we passionately love God and passionately love, love others. Simply live your life on display. That's what this is about, guys. Uh, There is given testimony. There is sharing the gospel, literally what Jesus did for the sins of the world. That's a reality. That's a tangible fact. These are all parts of lifestyle evangelism. But a big part of it is how you live. Because if we don't live right, we disqualify ourselves. You know what I mean? You can't live all crazy and wacky and tell somebody, can I just tell you what it takes? They're going to go, do you really know? Do you know? But if we live right, and this isn't by trying harder, this is by letting God do things through you. I want to qualify that because there's people who try and struggle real hard. The Bible says it's not by strength or might, it's by the power of my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, the spirit of God in your life and in mine wants to do things through you. He wants us to cooperate with him. He doesn't want us to try harder to be a better person so that people will listen to us. No, 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 that's completely the wrong modality. What he wants is saying, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for hearts that are completely his so he can strongly support them. He's looking for people to say, I don't have it all down either, but you know what? Use me, God. I'm available. And God's going to say, beautiful, would you cooperate with me? Sure, I'll cooperate with you. Fantastic. And as the Spirit of God is trying to draw people to Jesus, then that same Spirit of God in you will let your light shine before people. They'll see your good deeds. This isn't you trying to be a better person. It's an outflow of the Holy Spirit in your life. The fruit of the Spirit will be on display. Others will see it and they'll go, there's something about that and I don't have it in my life. What is it? And it comes down to those roads. I think you're on a different path than I am. Are you on a... I think they're on a different path than I am. And you just tell them as opportunity arises, saying, you know what? At some point on the journey, you've got to start walking with God. You've got to start understanding that he sent his only son. And he died on the cross for the sins of the world. And the reality is this. Every single person on the planet has made mistakes and fallen short. Everyone with a pulse. Most people don't argue that if they're reasonable. Everyone's fallen short. You can call it a shortcoming. You can call it your mistakes. You can say you messed up. You can call it whatever you want. God calls it sin. So let's just say, okay, so we all have sin, all right? We all have it in common. No one's exempt. Everyone. Okay, now what? Okay, now how does it go away? Because you don't want to die with it. You definitely don't want to. It's got to go away, but what are you going to do to get rid of it? And then people are like, I don't know. What if I do more good stuff than bad stuff? Er, Wrong answer. That doesn't take it away. Jesus said, I came to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus is the only one who's ever lived, even when you look at Gandhi, Muhammad, Buddha, any that says, I will take it all away. Anything you've ever done, past, present, and future, I will take it away. There's no other person that could promise that or had the authority to promise that. And Jesus said, that's my mission. I came to take it all away. And that's what people miss so much. Jesus is like, I'll take it all away if you let me. Turn and follow me. Walk with me. I know you don't have it all down. You don't have to. No one does. But turn and follow me. Get on the path. Let me take your sins away. Let me put my spirit in you, and the whole journey is going to change. And there's people that go, yes, I want that. 
And for you and I to be able to explain that, people are going to want to see a lifestyle. And that evangelism lifestyle is where it begins. The last quote is this. Anything you say or do that helps bring someone one step closer to Christ is evangelism. Most often people come to faith in Jesus over time, through conversations, through acts of kindness, felt needs being met, or a life crisis. Usually it was our friends. Usually it was people we trusted who made God real to us. So guys, it's about one person and one step closer. Don't look at how am I going to reach the world. You're not supposed to reach the world. You're supposed to help one person get one step. Amen? If you hold on to one thing today in lifestyle evangelism, help one person get one step closer. And then after that, either help them get another step closer or help a different person get one. But just help people get one step closer. And as you do, God will bless that. God will meet them. The Holy Spirit will begin to move in their lives and do profound things. And this is where it begins. So the last point this morning is that lifestyle evangelism happens when we help one person get one step closer to Jesus. So on that note, let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Mighty God, I, uh, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of it, Lord. I pray that we in this room would understand your love for people because you love people more than we even know how to. And you love them so much, you want somebody to tell them. You want somebody to share. You want us to, to not be shy, Lord God. You want us to step up and again, not you know, go to the other side of the world and maybe go to the mission field. That's for certain people, God. But you want us to go into our world. You want our light to shine before people. You want us to bear good fruit in ways that people see and go, you know what, that's the real deal. So that ultimately we can say, you know what it is? You want to know the secret in my life? It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. You know, he is who he says he is. And he, he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Um, he said, I am the door. I am the true vine. I am the living water. He, he, yeah, he's all those things. And when you come to the point of saying, you know what? I recognize who you are, finally. And I heard it from people who had you on display. I heard it from people who had a little fragrance in their life. And I liked it. And I believed them because I trusted them and I saw that they were walking, not perfect people, but they were walking with you and there was some evidence there. And I liked the fragrance. I liked what I saw. And that, Lord, that we might be able to just tell people it's really about Jesus. At some point, he's just going to say, when you're ready, whenever you're ready to hand over all your sins, and say, take them away. I admit it. I want to give them to you. I know you died on the cross and rose from the grave. I believe that. And I want to turn and follow you. I'm not a perfect person, God. I don't know that I ever will be, but I do want to turn. I want to follow you. He would say, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. This is where it all begins. He didn't come to judge the world or condemn the world. He came to give the world life. And I just pray, Lord, you would help us to share that with people and communicate the truth, the gospel with people in a matter of lifestyle. And Lord, I just want to pray, Lord, if any are here today with everyone's head bows and eyes closed, Lord, um, if anyone here today that hasn't actually had a date in history where maybe you know about God, you understand some things, but you've never actually given them your life, you never actually said, come into my life and be the Lord, that today would be the day he's knocking at your heart. And he says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And if you will open the door, if you hear my voice and you will let me in, I will come in. He also says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says, I will be with you always as a promise to believers. If that's you this morning, and you, I just want to agree with you in prayer with everyone's head bowed, would you just look up? I just want to agree with you in prayer. Amen. Anybody else who wants to start their journey? Amen. 
Anybody who wants to begin that in recommitment, hallelujah. Anybody else who it's time to start walking right, amen. Well, the Lord knows your heart and he sees you and he agrees with you. And he just says, we have not because we ask not. And if we ask him right now in the privacy of your own heart, just say um, in, your, in your own prayer, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the grave. Just take my stuff away, God. Give me a fresh slate in you. I don't have it down, but I do want to walk with you. I do want to grow. I want to learn from you. Put your spirit in me and help me on this journey because I know you have a glorious one for me and it's a way better road than I've been taking. But help me run the race to win. You have a race set before me, Lord. I want to start. I want to start to lace up and and put those running shoes on, Lord. I want to start to run the race to win, Lord God. I want to run for your glory. And Lord, I pray you help me. So if you said that prayer, tell me or someone you came with this morning so we can encourage you on the steps of faith. And Lord, help us in this room to just be soul winners for your glory. Just be real people that live a tangible, organic, spirit-led life that people will see and go, there's something about the fragrance, there's something about the aroma, there's something about the light, and it must be true. What is it? And we would break it down really simply. It's, It's Jesus. So we love you, mighty God. Have your way with us and be glorified in all things. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.